Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Right now, Bob Irving, the voice of the Bombers here on CGOB, joins us now. Bob, good afternoon, sir. How are you, Hal? I'm excellent. You know, the other night after you were done the first hour of the sports show uh, with Christian, I called you and we had a quick chat, and I was going to tell you my favorite promo of all time, not even just now on CGOB, but my favorite promo of all time is you singing Katy Perry. I don't even know what to say to that, Hal. I lost my mind for a few <laughs> seconds uh, on the sports show one night, and unfortunately, I, you know, there's a camera or a recording device everywhere in the world yep. today, isn't there? And mm-hmm. so you can't get away with anything. And uh, sure enough, I think it was Sky Neller who was the producer that night, and she <laughs> recorded a portion of that. And once uh, I had done it, my first thought was, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yep. I'm going to hear this again. <laughs> yeah, and again, and again, and again, and again. Yeah, my um, wife just said to me, by the way, what was up with that? And I said, well, I don't know. I just lost my mind for a minute. It happens, and we're in this pandemic, and just for yeah, a moment, I lost sure. my mind. I understand. I like Katy Perry, too. I really like Katy Perry. So you, you're, you've got... Uh, you over the years that I've known you, and I've known you for quite a few years. Yes. You went from Whitney Houston to <laughs> Shania Twain, yeah. and then uh, now Katy Perry is Katy Perry at the top of your list right now? No, no, no. I, mm. But I like the song uh, "Roar." I really like that song. Yeah. Uh, but look, I, and the Eagles are one of my favorite groups, and yeah. uh, I like lots of different artists in, sure. in lots of different genres, and it's usually a song that catches my. Uh-huh fancy and then uh, you know that yeah. stuck in my head well you know what it's like how you yep. played enough records in your life mm-hmm. that, uh record see that i'm talking about yeah. what is that bob what's a record explain <laughs> well, that for the kids record. listening out there <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, there's a lot of artists out there yeah. that, uh, that i really enjoy well i've got an idea bob if we yep. don't get bomber football this year yeah. i've got an idea Okay. Uh, on game nights, we'll do three or four hours of bomber and you get the bombers on, and you guys just sing various karaoke songs. I think bomber Yeah, that could be uh, interesting, Hal. It could <laughs> be. <laughs> I don't think many people would be attracted to it, but it would be interesting. Yeah, and, uh, right. Probably pretty bad, but anyway. I wanted I to have you on have for do that. <laughs> well, let's hope not. Yeah. Uh, so, well, let me let's start there. Then, do you think we're going to see uh, some CFL bomber football this year? It's it's sure not looking like it, eh? No. You know, when the pandemic first hit back in mid March, and uh, the or the CFL announced in April that they were going to have to delay their season for certain, I was uh, still relatively optimistic at that time that they would uh, be able to play some games in September, October, and. November, but uh, things aren't improving. And that's, you know, back in April, so that's over two months ago. And you're thinking, well, you know, they'll get this COVID under control. And to a large degree in Canada, we have it under control, not so much in Ontario and Quebec, though, Mm -hmm. which is concerning. And there's uh, four teams in the CFL in those two provinces. So things haven't improved to a point where, you know, you can say with any certainty that they'll be able to play in September, October, and November. And it's going to be very difficult for the CFL to play in empty stadiums, and they are looking at this hub city concept with Winnipeg, one of the likely hub cities if they ever went down that road, but the cost of that is just staggering. Uh, And the chances of being able to play games in Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, and Regina, I think, how increases each day as we have have the COVID under control to a point. Uh, So they might be able to put some fans in the stands there if the health officials and the provincial governments allow but what happens to the Eastern teams then? Do they play all their games on the road? And 
And how many people can you put in the stadiums? And what will the cost factor be of doing that versus not playing at all, playing in the hub cities? And, you know, these are things they're looking at and wrestling with and have been since April. And they're just, they just haven't come up with any satisfactory answers yet, the Canadian Football League, I mean. Mm-hmm. So they're still waiting. Uh, you know, I, Wade Miller said when we had him on a week ago, he said it's still a waiting game. And he said we've got until, he didn't give a specific date, but sometime in July, uh, before they have to declare what they're going to do. Okay, we think we could play some games, or, gosh, this just isn't going to work, and we're going to have to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with the CFL too, Bob, you know, I think they could, where other uh, sports and other leagues, I think, are desperate to get some games in and come up with a plan, I think the cost of the CFL getting some games in might outweigh just saying hey we're taking a break the bombers are great cup champs again and we'll get back at it in some way or another next year that's not the case with other sports though but i think in the cfl i can see where they might just say all right that's it the year's done and we'll worry about next year what about hockey what about the jets bob what's your thought there well i know the national hockey league has a plan they intend to open training camps in july and uh, they would hope to start playing some games in august some of the stanley cup playoff games with the 24 yep. teams they've declared as playoff teams but uh, you know we've had a bunch of guests on our sports show hal in the last two weeks talking about this and every single one of them has expressed some reservation about whether or not this can actually happen not that the plan isn't sound the plan is great providing and here comes all the sort of the uh, the caveats providing mm-hmm. uh, they can get players into certain areas and providing that the uh, covid-19 doesn't sort of swarm its way through one or two teams and then if one player tests positive and surely one or two will they have already at different training sites in all sports um, you know then can you contain it and you, can you take that player as golf is done Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they've had a few guys test positive, two or three. So you just remove them then from the field of play, right, Uh, and hope that they haven't contacted or infected any others. And, you know, I think hockey and and baseball could do that too. The the hockey uh, and baseball teams are talking about having expanded rosters when any playoffs would begin in hockey playoffs and in baseball the regular season so that if players do get COVID-19, they can remove them and still have enough players to carry on. Uh, But just the logistical challenges, uh, the health challenges, and there's just so many variables and things that could go wrong uh, that you wonder if they can ever get to the point, all these leagues, and I'm talking NBA, NHL, baseball specifically, and of course yep. the CFL, and then the NFL, they plan to play, but now they have even acknowledged that they might have to move their season back a little bit, uh, they might have mm-hmm. to play in empty stadiums uh, as much as they not like to, and a lot of their owners have said, no, no, we'll be fine by September. Well, the way things are going in the states, man, oh man, yeah. things aren't going to be know. fine by September, although some of the states just ignore the social distancing guidelines. So, but then, how many people would be comfortable going into these stadiums? And on and on you go. Yeah, yeah. Just so many ways to look at this, and so many unanswered questions. You do wonder, and I, I think all of us wonder. Hal, who follow sport and, and would love to see it back, you wonder if maybe they're just going to have to scrap all these, yeah. these seasons, uh, especially if things don't improve significantly in the United States. 
Well, and one one final question, then I'm going to have some fun with what we're talking about here after I let you go. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, I think a month into the pandemic, I think there was a real, man, I miss sports. I want, you know, there was a, a, a desire to get back at it. People were missing sports. I'm not a big, passionate sports guy, but the people that I talk to are sort of indifferent about it now. Do you feel like the need for games, for the sports to get back at it, has sort of died down a bit? Well, I would say this. I think a lot of people have found out that they can get along and their lives aren't as empty as they thought they would be without sports, and these would be the sports (laughs) fanatics, right? Right. And I'm a sports fanatic, and I Mm -hmm. miss it. But I find that I'm living uh, reasonably well and, and not getting depressed and not, uh, you know, beating my head against the wall saying life isn't worth living because we don't have sports. <laughs> so right. you know, I think there's a lot of people who've discovered that it's not the end of the world. But mm-hmm. it, it, the other side of that, for me anyway, I would say when it does come back, uh, I think there's going to be a voracious appetite for it. Because if you're a sports fanatic you never lose that sort of interest, that interest level in sport. And and when they do come back, you know, I've thought about the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do I, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon in August, do I want to be watching a Stanley Cup playoff game? Well, right. you know, if it's, uh, if it's a nice day and I'm not golfing, I probably will watch because I like hockey. And I, in particular, <laughs> yeah. I like playoff hockey. So yeah. I think all these sports are going to survive and be just fine, and, and their fans will most of them their fans will come roaring back uh whenever they're able to play again the way mm-hmm. they used to before if in fact uh, that is just around the corner and again a lot of health experts are saying forget about it this year it'll be 2021 before any of this can return to close to normal so we'll just ta- yeah. we'll have to see how that all plays out Hey, Bob, thanks a lot for doing this, pal, and, and consider my idea. You'd only have to give me maybe 15 20%. Bomber Oki, I like it. Karaoke with the Bombers, hosted by yourself. I like it. Yeah, I don't know if I want to embarrass myself any more than is necessary, though, Al. <laughs> well, you've already done that, Katy Perry. You've already done it. Okay. Bob, thank you. Appreciate Hi, it. Al. Our question of the day relates to these beeping bridges to try and keep... Uh, Homeless people from living under the bridges. That pilot project will end now after it was criticized. And joining us now to talk about that and a lack of communication. Uh, what else is new? At City Hall, Councillor Sean Nason representing Transcona. Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon on a warm and sunny uh, yeah. Transcona afternoon. <laughs> I don't have a ton of time here, Sean. I want to yeah. give you a chance to weigh in on this pilot project that now will end first of all, and then I want to talk communication at, at City Hall, which we've discussed before. Are, are you with Klein and the other councillors about this idea, bad idea? Yeah, Councillor Klein and myself put forward a, a letter to the mayor uh, last evening just prior to getting uh, confirmation from uh, the CAO that there was, in fact, this pilot project going on. Uh, learning that this happened or started in April is even more uh, concerning that they didn't have time to update council that this was going on. Uh, it's very troubling, very, very troubling. And it's, I, I perceive this noise as, as very uh, inhumane because even myself listening to it uh, throughout the morning on CGOB as it was demonstrated what it was, was bothering my ears, let alone being there first person. 
Well, it's designed to bother and to annoy and to shoo the homeless away almost as though they're pests or, or rodents. And that's what seems to me to be so demeaning about this. I just had a listener text in, 204-780-6868, and I won't read the long text, but they said, what's the point of voting for a councillor bringing in elected officials if the CAO and administration's going to make all the decisions because you guys didn't know about this. As you said, you weren't consulted. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know that's part of the part of the you know delegation of authority that the public service needs to do work. But they they should have an obligation to keep us informed in a relative short period. Uh, if there's stuff that you know they, they've got millions of dollars in their budget, you know we don't go through the line items of the budget as much as I'd like to. Uh, getting information on what they're spending every dollar for uh, is like pulling teeth. Uh, I'm not a dentist but I definitely like to have an understanding of what what taxpayers' dollars are being spent on. They, they indicated, you know, listening to Mr. Berezowski this morning, $1,700 per device. Um, you know, I know that the cost is, is nominal. However, the impact on our community is huge. Uh, we need to do a better job of serving those who are displaced, those who are homeless, uh, to f- connect them properly with services. I know it's not our responsibility, Primarily, but as citizens, as human beings, we need to connect these individuals with services to get them the help that they deserve. And I know you and, and Councillor Klein uh, would like to see uh, an outreach on the streets. And, and Kevin was on earlier with Kathy Kennedy and for Jeff Courier talking about that. And as I said, my time is tight. So I want to get to the communication part at City Hall. We've talked about this so many times I just had Councillor Brian Mays from St. Vitell on my show yesterday afternoon, and he sounded frustrated. I was surprised at how forthcoming he was about it. He really sounded frustrated at the lack of communication that happens at City Hall. And this today, these devices, these sound noise devices, is just another example of that. Yeah, it's challenging. I know everybody's got a job that they're doing. They're trying to do their best. However, we're not working as a team. We're not we're not working together and we're not in the same tent. We've got division. And when you have division, you have inefficiency. So, you know, I hope that the mayor is listening and, and we'll find a way. Call us together. Let's get this crap out on the table to find a way that we can work together. We can't have these, this, this division. It just can't operate in our city and be effective. And there's nothing wrong with disagreeing, right? There's nothing wrong with Absolutely. saying, I, I don't like that idea, I like this idea, and then decisions get made. But some of the best things that I've been involved in, some of the best decisions that have ever been made in my career, have been made with a bunch of people around a table throwing stuff against the wall, and if it yeah. sticks, you run with it and make it better, and, and that's how it gets done, right, Sean? Absolutely. The post-it notes on the wall... You know, you have your items that you're going to go forward with and you parking lot the others until such time that you can work with them. And it's tried and true, and it's, I, I think it's the way that we need to look at uh, to operate better as a city. We need to build consensus, and we're not doing consensus. It's authoritarian, it's top-down, and it's just not working. John, thanks for your time. Best of luck. Thanks a lot, Hal. Have a great day. Sean Nason, City Councilor for Transcona. Right now, Al Weeb, homeless advocate, uh, joins us on the phone. Al, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Hal. 
Al is uh, has been homeless, and he's part of the strategy to figure out the homeless issue in the city of Winnipeg. First of all, your reaction to the beeping bridges? Yeah, uh, quite quite uh, an inhumane action by the city. Uh, really poorly thought out. Um, you know, it reminds me very much of what uh, the city of Abbotsford, the previous city administration, did in Abbotsford about four years ago. Uh, what they did was they sprinkled the uh, spread chicken manure all over wherever homeless the homeless folks were settling in and, and camping and it, it caused them to move on and this is really similar and what it did is it left a black mark on the city of Abbotsford for, for several years and you know this, this could reflect similarly on the city of Winnipeg uh, because it is such a uh, outrageous action I would say We've made so many missteps when it comes to homelessness mm. in in Winnipeg, haven't we, Al? Yeah, yes, we have, and uh, and this is this probably takes the cake uh, in terms of of, uh, of, of missteps. It, it's a huge misstep. You know, we've come so far. We've we've uh, uh, bundled up three one one calls and complaints about uh, the homeless uh, and encampments, and, and sent those to Main Street Project, and our outreach teams have gone out. And, and visited uh, the cabinets and, and dealt with those problems. You know, that is a huge step. And and we've done more things. The narrative of the police, the narrative of the city has changed over the last 18 months since that strategy group has been put together. But this, you know, just brings everything back about uh, four or five steps. A listener texted in, maybe it's time to quit with the paternalistic we-know-best approach with the homelessness uh, mm-hmm. issue in the city. Shouldn't we be asking the homeless what they want? And councillors Klein and Nason, both of whom have been on our air today, yeah. are, are sort of saying the same thing. Let, let's find out what we can, let's get out there on the street, talk to the homeless, and figure this out. And I think what frustrates me even more with this bad idea, and not every, I'll tell you what, a three to one people are voting at cglb.com. They think it's an okay idea. And, and that surprises me. But, but I think more, frust, more frustrating even than the bad idea is that it was implemented and tried with no elected officials having a I say know. in that decision. I know. And that, that is, you know, that's almost unbelievable. But, you know, uh, like somebody else said, we pay these people uh, with their tax dollars to make these decisions. However, it is a really, really wrong decision. Um, you know, and uh, we expect more responsibility out of out of the city. You, you know, I think it'd be a great, I really appreciate uh, Councillor Klein, uh, some of his words today uh, in regards to this. But yes, um, three to one for sure. Uh, you know, those Bridge encampments are, are are a step away from the high rent district in Wellington Crescent and River Heights, and I think that's maybe the reason why those were put there too. Uh, uh, maybe a lot of complaints about folks under those bridges, but you know, um, you can build really safe structures underneath bridges, and it's a, you know it it is a good shelter for sure. Well, and that's why the homeless go there, right? I mean, it's it's exactly, protection entirely. for them. And, and, and yep. you know, city officials have said, well, it's about safety and it's about protecting the infrastructure. And I understand that part. Yeah. But but this, it's treating human beings. And I've said in the past and, <laughs> and gotten heat for saying in the past that these are human beings. We need to have Entirely. some empathy and understand, yeah. we, we, you know, we just right away don't understand why they want to be on the street. And so all of a sudden we pass judgment and figure we've got it all, I think we've all got it all figured it out. Figured out. Yeah. And, and we need have, to, they're humans. They are, and you know, you won't have 
empathy without understanding. And uh, and to have true understanding, you have to have been there, you know, with the lived experience. But at least you have to try, you know. And, you know, uh, I think it would be a really, really great idea if some of the city uh, public works people went out with uh, Main Street Project and our outreach teams or the chat team and actually went down and met these people in person. I know some of that happened when they moved the uh, encampments from uh, from MMF over there. But I think, it, you know, they really need – these are these are – Decent folks, and you know they are peers. They are people like you and I, and brothers and sisters, and aunts, and uncles, and fathers and mothers of everybody. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I think there needs to be that personal interface and uh, and find out what these people are about, and ask those questions in person. You know. Yeah, and I mean, there, yes, there's addiction in some cases. Yeah. There, there's, oh, for there's, sure. You know, there's all kinds of things that that have been brought up a million times. But I just yep. think we need we need to realize that. You know, these are human beings. These are fellow citizens of the city of Winnipeg, and we need to help them. We need to, we, we don't shoo them away like they're pests no. with be- like, like, that, listen to this, Al. I know you, it. I know you heard this. Listen, this yep. is, this is the sound that was heard, uh, uh-huh. under four bridges. Listen. Yeah. 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 It's, des- it's designed to shoo people away. It is. Uh, you know, we, 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 we put electric fences around gardens to keep the animals out. You know, we put, uh, you know, high, uh, high frequency, uh, whistles in to keep dogs away uh, at bay. And we're doing the very same thing with people now. And it is totally un, um, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand where the, uh, where the, uh, lack of empathy at all comes, comes yeah. from there. Yeah. It's, it's a totally, total misunderstanding of, of, of who, who the homeless are. They're human beings, like you said, and I, uh, I really appreciate you saying that in, in, in the emphatic way that you did because it's, uh, it, it's really shameful and it just reminds you so much of Abbotsford and it took them years to get over their reputation of doing that. Yeah. yeah, like, and I'm getting text messages and emails like this. Um, yeah. A person just said, so in essence, every human being who has self-control and follows the rules of society have to take care of these human beings because they choose to carry out the behavior they do on a nonstop basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so many of us, and we should realize this during this pandemic, but so many of us are a paycheck or two away from mm-hmm. finding ourselves on the streets. And even closer during covid because right. jobs were jobs were lost, right? And it takes you know it just takes that that one crisis, and, and you know COVID is a huge crisis. But you know one more step, and you're out there. And uh, you know many people in the city are really afraid of of uh, losing their apartments. And thank goodness uh, the government uh, put on a moratorium till the end of September to keep people from from uh, losing their apartments and, and you know over the rent issue. Uh, but again, it's a human rights, uh, it's a human rights, uh, issue as well. And, you know, I, I, I'm on the Human Rights Committee of Council for the city of Winnipeg, and I wrote a strongly worded email to, to the council today and said, is this what we're all about? The city of Winnipeg is supposed to be a human rights city. And we have this big edifice down by the forks that, uh, that says this is who we are. Uh, but then we do something like this, you know, and it puts us back in the dark ages when it comes to human rights issues.
Now, Al, while I feel all of what we just talked about, I do feel that, I also understand people's frustration when we move those big camps away from the Disraeli Bridge yep. and then several yep. little ones pop up all over the place, yep. right? Yep. They yep. are unsightly. I don't think we're, and you and I have talked about this, you're, yep. part, you're part of finding the solution, but I don't think we're yep. doing enough, quick enough, to try and help these people so that these camps aren't everywhere and unsightly and trash and yep. all the stuff that goes with them you're you're entirely right and you know uh we had a really really good opportunity to really change the provincial government had a really good opportunity to to really take a forward step in this direction and they took a small step they made available 49 apartments for youth uh living in homelessness why not 249 why not 349 if we were to give an extra 200 units there um uh, sure a lot of folks don't want to be in housing um, simply because of responsibility and they feel freedom when they're out uh, in, in encampments. But, um, you know, many, if offered a key to their own place, would accept that. And I think if the province had stepped up, you know, with their manageable housing units that they're getting rid of anyway, the management of, they could have easily stepped up and, and said, well, we'll promise this, this many more. And, and given those two service providers, like, um, you know, um, uh, Western Women's or something, and uh, one of those, and you know, it, it would have changed the dynamics. Sure, some folks will still be out there, and what's what the bells and whistles did under the bridge was just move people along to a different, you know, the purpose was, was to get them out, but all they're doing is move them down the river to a different location. And yeah, I'll end with this, and, and sorry, Al, but I'll, I'm out of time, but uh, but I want to end with this text message yeah. at two zero four seven eighty sixty eight sixty eight. The person says, Hal. We owe it to Farron Hall to treat homeless people better right. and understand they are human beings too. That man proved on more than one occasion what he was made of and that he was an incredible human being and he was homeless. He was on the streets of Winnipeg. So Absolutely. we need to remember these are human beings with feelings. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I'll give you the final 30 Absolutely. seconds. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and Farinola is, is really the prime example of, of a person. He was a homeless person, but he was a decent person. And people fail to realize that these are decent people. Sure, you may have addictions. You may have, have other issues that you're dealing with out there. But, you know, people are overall uh, decent people. And a lot of these folks, once you get to know them, they are truly nice folks. And I think people have to stop thinking that they're bad people because they're homeless. People are homeless because of things that have happened in their life. And, uh, you know, they are, you and I, they are our peers. Al, thanks for this. Appreciate your time. And thanks, Al, for having me on to talk about this really important issue. And, uh, you You know, I'm glad glad they, they turned them off, but that certainly doesn't fix the problem. Joining us now for her regular Thursday visit, Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling. Carolyn, good afternoon. Hey, Hal, how are you? Good news, hey, about school? Yes, yeah, I think it is. You know, obviously they have to have not just a backup plan, but a third plan as well. Uh, (laughs) But the hope is that, uh, you know, the kids can get back at it. And I was going to ask you about that. I, I think, you know, just in life for me, when there's a plan, uh, even if it's not necessarily the best plan, but if there's a plan in place, it's easier to kind of proceed and, and move along. So this has to be a bit of a sigh of relief for parents, moms and dads and kids out there that the hope is school will sort of get back to as close to normal as possible. 
oh, I, you know, we've been wondering in our house what's, what it's going to be, and we know what our plan A that we hope for, and that we heard that plan A that we hope for is actually plan A that is, you know, the province is planning for. So that's exciting, and I think it's good motivation for all of us to re- remember how mindful we need to be about making sure we don't increase our numbers by doing all those things that help our numbers stay way down. And, you know, I'm, I'm all in with the mask and hand washing if it means that my child can return to school and fall. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, we've been over the past couple of weeks talking a lot about the grads of 2020. Before I get into the stuff that you and I have uh, emailed about today, uh, like yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I think so. All the days just kind of <laughs> melt together these days. But yesterday, yeah, it was up in Gimli. We talked to them in Gimli because they made a big metal grad hat for the statue, the Viking statue up in Gimli. And they had the, the red carpet drive through grad and all these up in, uh, in, uh, um, Swan Valley. They had the banners with the kids pictures on Main Street. I am just so incredibly impressed at the creativity of the 2020 grads, their teachers, moms and dads and parent and, and principals. Incredible. Well, there's a reason why teachers and educators do what they do, and that's because they can pivot on a dime and they can make plans for kids and they can find ways of making whatever happens in the classroom turn out for good for the kids. And you write the creativity and innovativeness innovation of them of of people with Mm -hmm. what they've all done to sort of make something that is not ideal um, and it's not as good as or the same but it's it's the best second best that they can come up with and I think the grads are appreciating the fuss that people are going through and trying to honor them in the best way possible and I'm hoping that that's the story that when these 18 year olds are 80 year olds they can tell their grandchildren about all the effort people went to to give them everything they could to make this time special. Mm-hmm. City Hall, we got to talk a little bit about this. These uh, beeping bridges, noise devices that the city was using, they're going to stop using them now, this pilot project to keep homeless people from uh, living under uh, the bridges. And, uh, you know, I, I'm reminded of a word that I hear a lot when we te- talk to people like Silo Mission and some of these organizations, dignity. There's no dignity in, you know, a, a device beeping a loud noise uh, under a bridge to shoo homeless people uh, to another area. So, uh, you know, that's, and I've been saying, and I'm getting people that agree with me, but I'm getting people that don't, and they say, listen, you know, how you don't understand, um, these are homeless people, but, but I do understand they're human beings, and we need to treat each other with dignity whether we have a roof over our head or not. Right, Carolyn? Absolutely. Um, dignity is for everyone. And so I think the challenge here, and this is hard, Hal, when you disagree with somebody and you recognize that those beeps underneath the bridge strip the homeless of their dignity, is to figure out how we can talk to those at City Hall that made that decision and do it while respecting their dignity. Uh, because I don't think anybody gets up in the morning and says, I want to go to work and see if I can strip another person's dignity. I suspect that there was other motivations in place. People were doing the best they can, and they made a mistake. But wouldn't it be great to hear the thinking behind it? And then we all have a time of learning together so that we can have compassion and understanding for the homeless people and for the people at City Hall that get heat when there's homeless encampments encampments close to where people are living. People don't like that either, right? So it's hard to figure out how to balance the situation well because um, City Hall often gets heat no matter what they do, and those people at City Hall deserve deserve their dignity as well. And so we have to figure out how to have this conversation in a way that's respectful of everybody. 
Fair enough. And they said they were, you know, trying to protect infrastructure and the safety of the of the homeless people. And and I'm sure their their heart was in the right place. Um, but I I think it was a and and most people actually that are voting right now at cgob.com disagree with me. Most people three to one say it was a fine idea and and the pilot project should continue mm. and maybe there should be more of it. So I'm I'm in a minority here on this one. <laughs> um, but I do have a I do have a problem with it and it gets to a bigger issue and I think probably one you're more in an, in a position to speak to, which is communication. You're a therapist. It connects his counseling. Um, there is a lack of communication at City Hall. We've talked about it many times. There are some counselors that aren't involved in some of the discussions before decisions are made. There seems to be a disconnect between administration at City Hall and the elected officials. Communication is key. How do we improve communication, not just at City Hall, that's the reason for us having the conversation, but in relationships, in friendships, in our workplaces, communication is is vital. It absolutely is. And I'm no politician, so I don't want to address some of the larger issues. But I know that when I have people in my office, um, one of the things that uh, we often do is when I have a couple or a family in, uh, people that need to work things out because there's a high level of conflict, is that they often find that um, they can actually have a pretty good conversation in my office. Uh, And sometimes I'm not even doing so much to make that happen. What I am doing is having like a calm demeanor and a lower heart rate that invites them to a lower heart rate as well. They are able to stay calmer um, and really work at the issues rather than getting defensive and taking it personally. And just even the idea that people talk to me to tell me about the problem they have with the other person rather than directly, it just cools the temperature in the room. And one of the things we do when we're trying to figure out how they can continue to have productive conversations without me is talk about how they want to talk about it. And we call that meta-communication. So we have conversations about what made this conversation possible so that we can figure out how to bottle it and, and have you be able to repeat it outside of the office. Uh, what makes for a good conversation? And let's talk about what works and what doesn't work. And are there hot buttons? Like we often know what we, need to, what we can do to really push the other person's buttons and you know, have mm-hmm. them go off. Yeah. What can we do to avoid those buttons and be more hard-hearted and move the conversation forward in a productive way so that one person doesn't have to be right, but that the relationship can become right? Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.